There's just a sweet presence of God in this place. I'm so thankful that we can sing and declare the faithfulness of God. That, that there is no mountain, right, that he will not climb up. No wall he will not tear down to come after me. That is the faithfulness of the Lord that we serve. Amen? I, I'm excited this morning. You might be like, Elijah, you're always excited. I'm excited this morning to, to be able to share with you what God's put on my heart. Literally, sermon was written. It was ready to go. And around 12 this morning, I told my wife as she was stumbling into bed that I feel like the Lord changed the sermon. Now, as a pastor, I want to let you know that's not a good thing. Because you, you don't want... Hey, man, you spent a lot of time in sermon prep, hopefully. And, uh, and so I'm like, oh, my goodness. And uh, so I got to bed at 4 a.m. this morning. So I'm ready to go. Ready to declare God's word. And so I pray, uh, if it's good, that you know it's from God. If it's bad, you can just blame me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. And we're starting a new series entitled, Make Room. For the next two weeks, we're going to be having this conversation about uh, preparing space for what God will do. Here's the word of the Lord for us. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. They first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I am on my way to them to, to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. No, excuse me. <laughs> the servant came back and reported into his, this to his master and the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still what? There's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited would get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these moments that we share, this time that we have together. Would you speak, Lord? Lord, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, Lord, and that your presence would lead us in this dance of worship and love and the proclamation of the good news of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. You may take your seats. 
Thank you, worship team. What an amazing, come on, let's give them a hand. They did just a great job. One of the really amazing things that has been happening in our community uh, is that our church has, has been growing, right? It depends on what Sunday you come, right? Yeah, you can give a hand clap for that. It depends on what Sunday you come. Like if it's serve day, we might be a little bit lighter. I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm just pointing out the facts. Uh, <laughs> just joking. Um, but uh, it depends on what day that you come. Like literally, we have no room in in our church, which is which is beautiful. Uh, we have had more guests come to connect uh, with our church in these last couple of months than we've ever had in our church's history. Right? Like this is nuts. Like I'm talking about per month, our guest attendance has been, has been uh, through the roof. We, we have more children in our church and in our service that honestly that we could probably have. We're, we're starting to get to, to capacity, which is, which is amazing. Do you know that we have uh, close, we have 90% of our church in a small group. Now, now, now you might be like, that's cool. But for a pastor, let me tell you, that is really, really awesome. And, and when, I say, when I talk about groups, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about discipleship groups. I'm, I'm talking about serving groups. I'm talking about groups that, that are, are, are built around this idea of like we're going to create something fun, whether it's running. I know I've been talking to Mike Scheiman about a food group. Yes. Of course, you would know, right? Like it would be a food group, right? And just creating spaces for people just to enjoy each other. By all church metrics, by all church metrics, we are a healthy church. As, as great, we can clap for that. Y'all are like, when do we, when do we, when do we clap? On the one and two. I'm joking. Uh, as great as all that is, uh, if we're not careful, if we are not careful, we can put this thing on autopilot, can't we? Yeah. we? We can say, hey, man, we're, we're doing great things. God is moving. God is at work. And, and so, like, let's, let's just keep coasting. Right. Let, let's just keep doing what we're doing, and let me tell you something, that can be a really scary place because we're in that place now where we can say like, man, we are seeing ministry happen. The fact that we have 90% of our church is a good thing. But can I make this argument to you? It's also not a great thing. 90% of our church tells me that uh, we are living out the mission that God has called us to live out as a community, that we are generating hope. But what that also tells me that we do not have enough unchurched and de-churched people. What, what that tells me is that our community is full, filled with believers which are excited to engage and love one, one another. What that doesn't tell me is that are we seeing people being baptized and saved? Are we seeing people which have dealt with church hurt, with pains and baggage, right? And, and they're, they're, they're looking for someone that would say, come. There is space at the table to be healed. 
I believe this is discussion that we have to have. And, and quite frankly, I think as we jump into the text today, I, I see this picture and I feel like this is the reason why the Lord brought me to this, to this text. In the first 14 verses of chapter 14 of Luke, we, we find Jesus, Jesus addressing leaders at the dinner table. Yes, that's where all good discussions happen. At the house of this prominent Pharisee. And, and something interesting is happening. This is the Sabbath. They're all sitting down. They're relaxing. They want to hear from this young, hotshot rabbi who's, who seems to, to talk. So the, the, the Gospels would, would communicate with authority. Different from everybody else. And, and, and believe you me, right, in their minds, they knew that there was something different about this Jesus character. Because if, if uh, you go to John, uh, the book of John, you, you'll find out that some of these Pharisees would sneak out in the middle of the night and start talking to Jesus and ask him, okay, uh, are you the one that was uh, sent? Are, are you the one that was promised that was going to change everything? So, so they knew there was something peculiar about this Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there with them, and amongst them is this man who has swelling in his limbs. Jesus asked a simple question uh, to everyone who's sitting there. Is it right uh, to heal on the Sabbath? This is really what Jesus was asking. Uh, Translation, what is God's law really pointing to? That's really the, the big idea here in this text. What is God's law really pointing to? The Pharisees refused to answer because they were like, okay, this might be a trick question, right? And, and they came to, to press him, so, so they sit there quietly. Jesus then moves and transitions to, to heal this man here. And then as he heals them, no one is like, oh my goodness, like God, be, be blessed. This is awesome. Jesus starts saying, hey, any one of you, if your child was going through something, would you not go work a little bit extra? Would you not serve that person? Would you not go beyond? Would you break the rules to make sure that your child was taken care of? Still, they're quiet because you know what's happening? They're playing musical chairs here. You, you just have to read the text. They're playing musical chairs, and they're trying to get to the seat of honor in this house, next to the Pharisee, next to Jesus, who is, is speaking right now. What you have to understand is that the backdrop of the world that Jesus lived in is the Greco-Roman world. In the Greco-Roman world, it was a basically a system of hierarchy. Who can climb the ladder? Who can have status? Who can be known? So they were just playing, even in the Jewish context, the same game that the world and the culture was playing. And Jesus looks at them and says, that is actually not the way uh, to be uh, in the presence of God. That is not the way to be recognized. Actually, when you take the posture of humility, you'll be recognized. That God will actually be the one that will elevate you. Jesus tells them that you must be Humble, And then Jesus goes into this story about uh, this man who invited guests to a party, and they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? 
And all the guests of honor, remember, the Greco-Roman world, uh, uh, are, are asked to come, the prominent people, but they refuse. And so he tells them to go get the least, the poor, the sick, the broken. And he invites them to the table. At first glance, when you read uh, Luke uh, 14, you probably think, these, how do these stories all work together? How, how does this make sense? Well, the first thing I want you to understand is that Jesus is actually telling the same idea. And Luke, the way he's writing, he's telling the same idea in three different ways here. And this is the first thing I want you to understand. He is trying to get across that generosity and humility are the signs of a life-giving community. Generosity and humility are the signs of a life-giving community. Unfortunately, as beautiful as those words sound, that is not normal in our culture today. It's all about who can get ahead. You want to know one of the most interesting things? Uh, Who here is on social media? That should be everybody. Stop lying. You want to know one of the most interesting things? If you go on social media, uh, videos that go viral the most are are, are people which are out and about doing good works. I kid you not. Just just look it up on YouTube. Folks that are out that are are, are paying like thousands of dollars for a tip. I saw a video the other day that somebody got uh, some orange juice and gave a a waitress $1,000. And people were like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. Or, or somebody who's, who's, who's like uh, taking care of the homeless and they're feeding them. And people are just in the comments. It's like 14, 15 million dollars, 15, view, 15 million views. Here's the only problem with that. Who's taking the video? Because this is what they understand that, that we don't. That the more views that comes with your video means the more advertisements, the more advertisements equals the most money. It's all about how can I generate a picture that will make me uh, seem better. That, 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 that people say, like, I want to be like that person. It's all about status. Jesus wades into that and says, that is the wrong way. That is not how, how a generous and humble life uh, brings about the flourishing of mankind. It is those which to choose to serve. I have been, uh, for the last, I think, four months, just overwhelmed and immersed in in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. This this picture of of God, of Jesus, Paul writes, and he he gives us this this glimpse of of the kind of person Jesus is. In fact, uh, most scholars call this passage of Scripture the Christ hymn. Uh, it is, it is a, an ancient piece of scripture that Paul actually didn't write but was recited over and over again. And Paul brings into Philippians to, to try to get the church at Philippi to understand what does it look like to be a community that is humble, that is generous. And these are the words in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is what he says, that Jesus had full status and honor as the king of all creation. But he didn't lord it over anybody. 
He actually uh, let go of it. It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, because Christ was obedient, he was humble, and he was generous. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in the heaven and on earth and underneath the earth, and every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, what we have to understand in this passage is that Jesus is inviting these leaders, these religious leaders, which were puffed up, which, which knew the law. They could recite the first five books of the Bible verbatim. Like these people were strict, and, and make no mistake, the Pharisees loved God, but in the way that they loved God was a broken picture of the law because even as they saw someone who was hurting in front of them, they couldn't even celebrate that God was at work healing in their midst. They were like, well, you, you've broken the Sabbath. Jesus invites these leaders to the table of humility and generosity to give themselves as he did to, to uh, the world, inviting them uh, to, to have this same mindset, to live a life that was worth living. New Testament scholar uh, Daryl Bach writes this, that the Jewish leaders failed to see what Jesus was doing because they had fixed uh, their expectations of God's rules and methods of operation. They failed to appreciate the scope of those laws. They, they had elevated into the absolute prohibition of what God had intended as a positive expression of celebration and worship. The Sabbath day had become a day of exclusion for them, so compassion was limited in how it would be expressed. See, we have to be careful uh, because we can get so caught up in all the good things that we are doing, and when, we, when people come into this room, which, which are hurting, which have pain, which don't look like us, which don't sound like us, we can ignore them. I don't know if you've noticed, the last couple of weeks we've been really hitting home here because I really believe as the church we have become uh, sectarian in our approach uh, to loving neighbor and stranger. If you don't vote like me, if you don't talk like me, if you don't listen to the same political uh, uh, groups that I listen to, if you are different, then you do not deserve a seat at the table. You don't deserve grace. You don't deserve love. And so we can be in a space where, where we're singing, there's no mountain you won't climb up, there's no wall you won't tear down, they're coming after me, but do we live that life? And Jesus in this moment is saying to these leaders, these religious leaders who knew the law, who knew the law that you are not living out the intent that God has called you to live out. When we are living out 
of generosity and humility, what naturally happens is that we make room for others. We don't sect up. We don't push people away. We actually wade into uh, that deep, dense muck that is the human life. That is what God calls us. In this parable, Jesus does two things at once. He speaks to the religious leaders there and then, and he speaks prophetically to the church that, that is to come. That their rejection of Jesus and his desire to live out the fulfillment of the law, extending grace to those around, was what Jesus was specifically speaking to them right there and then. And that he was declaring that the banquet has been set and they were invited to sit and eat. But these leaders rejected the invitation. Listen to these words again as the master says to his servants, go quickly to, into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant has, had done this. He, the, he reported back to the master. There's still more what? Room. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge Anyone who, could fi- who you can find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those that are first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Do, do those words ring familiar? These words are the words that Jesus uh, stood up at the beginning of his ministry in Isaiah chapter 61 as he unrolled the scroll and he he read out loud, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners. These are the same words he is saying again to the Pharisees, to the leaders, to the religious, religious leaders who knew what? The law. But they would not live into it. Jesus is saying right here, right in front of you is someone who has need. Because they're sick. You're saying to them that they're not even worthy because it doesn't fit the parameters of what you thought this was supposed to look like. Jesus is saying, open your eyes. The law is at work. It is being fulfilled right here. We care for neighbor and stranger. We care for those which are far away. This is the reason why Isaiah prophesied of this. This is the reason why I am here. This is the reason why we love deeply and fully. And yet, With that good news, we are given this stark warning. This this verse, honestly, in in, in, uh, verse 15, shook me. And I really believe this is the reason why God uh, moved me to to preach this this passage. Like, it it literally uh, shook me to the core. I don't know if you caught it. It's the verse that we started off in our scripture reading, verse 15. Hearing this, A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. 
What? Let me read it again. Hearing this, Jesus is talking about people who have need. Thank you, sir. Jesus is talking about people who have need. He's talking about breaking past our idea of the law, but living fully in God's purposeful design for us. Jesus is talking about being intentional, being generous. And this man has the nerve to say, what a day it will be, Jesus, when someday we are in the kingdom and none of this will be a problem. That is a scary word for someone who's in the room where it's happening. That is scary words for someone who is sitting and watching. This verse shows us how unaware this man is of what he is, what is taking place. It speaks to Christianese and talks of a future that will come. And Jesus is telling them the future is happening right here, right now before their eyes. This man represents believers that, that like the idea of the gospel, but won't share it. This verse right here uh, is, reminds us of people that say, like, I want to see renewal. I want to see a reconciliation, a racial reconciliation. I want to see a people which are in poverty be lifted out of poverty. I want to see us live uh, this beautiful life of shalom, but won't talk to their neighbor. This verse is the linchpin of the two uh, stories that Jesus is combining with this parable. That's the reason why he doesn't answer right away. He doesn't go to like, oh, when the person says, hey, Jesus, what a day the banquet will be. He starts off in the most Jesus way. So there was a man, <laughs> right? He, 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 engages, he engages them with this life-giving story. He says, like, let me tell you what you're, you're talking about. The problem is we got too many people in the church that would say, Jesus, Jesus, man, you, you, can, you can hear this man saying, won't it be great when we finally see everyone in our community come together? But sits on, in the chair, not doing anything. Jesus, won't it be great when all the lights in our lobby, which represent salvation, and, and baptism are lit up. That's going to be a great day. But you ain't prayed for one person that you know of that ain't say, uh-oh, y'all, y'all ain't got to talk to me, overflow. <laughs> Jesus, what you're talking about is so cool. And we're going to Instagram it. We're, we're going we're gonna to plaster it everywhere when it finally happens. Jesus is saying, get in the game. Get, get in the game. Don't, don't wait for later. As John Ortberg writes in his book, eternity is now in session. That, that the day that you find Jesus, it is your, uh, it is your uh, 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 demand, it is the demand of Jesus on your life to, to respond in kind and love anyone who is far away from the gospel. It, it is, it is, it is, it is your, uh, it is the demand of Jesus. I don't know why I can't find my words right now. It is your it is demand of Jesus Christ on your life to have a life that is filled with reciprocity. Because he loved me, 
the psalms sing, the psalmist will sing, right? Because he first loved me, I love him. And so what am I going to do? I am going to proclaim the good news of the gospel. See, God desires that we would make room. If those religious leaders would have understood what was taking place, let me tell you what that party would have been. They would have said, Jesus, hold on one second. And one by one, they would have ran out of that house. And they would have brought the leper. They would have brought the person who was considered a sinner. They would have brought the people which weren't good enough and say, this person deserves healing. But because they did not understand what was happening. And they were, they were settled because they were living the life according to the law. We got 90% of people in small groups. We're doing it. Hey, hey guys, we, we just cleaned uh, the streets down Colfax. Yay us. Hey, guys, we adopted uh, 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 Fair Plain Elementary. We're doing it. Are we seeing neighbor and stranger come to know the goodness of God? Are we going beyond our limits? Are, are we loving our enemy? It's one thing, it's one thing to say that I, I, I'm going to love on somebody who's nameless and faceless. It's another thing to say, I'm going to love on the person at my job who just gives me a hard time. And maybe, maybe it's not because our relationship is bad, because maybe it's because something is going on at home. God, so I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to start praying for them. Because, because I want to see healing happen in our life. See, that's a different dynamic. That's, that's not sitting as religious leaders. We who have Jesus. Just sitting there. God, I just pray that they lose their job. Can't stand this person. It's us going beyond. It's us loving people past ourselves. See, Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11, he says that there is a demand on us now that we know Jesus. This is what he says. He says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are, but are giving you the opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as many say, it is for God. If we are not in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that the one who died for all and therefore, the one who died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for them who died for them and was raised again. Watch this. So from now on, we are regarded no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there a new creation has come. 
The old has gone, the new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that he might become the righteousness of God. Paul is saying, Jesus died for you. You have been saved. You now have the responsibility to proclaim that good news. You, you want to know why? Because somebody took their responsibility seriously in your life. This is the fulfillment of God's desire and plan for us. But, but it takes being generous. It takes being humble. It takes serving, taking a posture of servanthood and saying, who is it that I can engage with? A couple of weeks ago, we gave these, these sheets, their corner cards. We ask you to fill these out for this very, very reason. We said, put down eight names of people who are far away from Jesus. Put down eight names of people that you know that are hurting, that you want to see new life sprung up in them. And let's start praying. We want to be a church where we're taking this stuff seriously. I am not satisfied that, oh my goodness, we're going to be going and having multiple services and we just had the Capitals campaign and we're going to be building out. Those things are awesome. But if we're filling them with more believers who are not caring about the neighbor and the stranger. If we're filling them with people which have hope, then we are in turn not actually generating hope. And so we ask the question, hey, who do you know? Who do you know? Write their name. Pray. Pray five minutes a day, God. I'm praying for Stacy. I'm praying for John. I'm praying for Dave. Because we want to see God do something in their life. Take them out to eat. Love on them. Ask them questions. How's your family doing? See, see that, is, that is living out God's command. For those which need a hospital. It's not simply sitting there and saying, hey, guys, we come in, and Joel and the worship team, man, they do a great job, and Elijah will give us an inspiring message, and we do some things, and, like, I have fun having church. Church should be the most uncomfortable place. This place right here should be the most uncomfortable place that you come to every day. It should be the most uncomfortable place because we are thinking, who else needs this good news? That we are getting filled up 
to go out and fulfill a mission. We don't get to sit here. We don't get to put it on autopilot. We don't get to sit and say, okay, we've done it. Now we just have to wait till we get to heaven because it's all going to burn. No, that is not the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that we get to partake in loving and restoring and the renewal of all things right now. That is actually the good news. Are we doing that in our daily lives? Is that on our minds? Let me be honest with you. I, I go to sleep dreaming dreams of the people which, which I know are far away from Jesus, and I pray for them and I think about them. I'm not just saying that. Man, I, I got to meet an amazing uh, uh, a couple of people when I went out playing golf in Lake Michigan. Well, I say I was playing golf. I really wasn't. I was just hitting balls and going wherever they weren't, so you might not call that golf. But uh, I got to meet this couple, and they were, they were excited, and, and uh, they said, hey, man, come, on, come and play. Do you want to play for our? And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not want to play with them. I was like, it's finally my day off. I don't have these uh, kids around me. <laughs> Janie's at work. <laughs> Which I love her, and I always love that she's around me, but for two minutes, Janie's at work. And, and, and so I was, like, I was like, man, I get to play. And these jokers come on, and man, it, it's, it's, it's nuts. They're smoking cigarettes. They, they have moonshine. Listen, I'm not even talking about the fake stuff. They literally went to Kentucky and got moonshine. And they're like, hey, man, do you want to play with us? And I remember in that moment, I remember in that moment just thinking, no, I don't want to play with you. I just want to be by myself. (laughs) Then God reminded me of a prayer that I was praying. God, I want to meet more people that do not know you. I want to make room. I want to make room. And in that moment, God, it hit me. God's like, here you go. Just, just open your eyes. The most amazing couple. And we become friends. This man ended up telling me about his son. He's like, man, I want you to, next time my son is in town, he's, he's in the military. Like, next time he's in town, like, I want all three of us to play, play golf together. And we exchange numbers. I think about him all the time. As I'm praying, I'm like, God, how do I make room for him? How do I make room for him? See, is it, is it in our daily habits? Are we intentional? Or like the religious leaders, do we just sit and watch? As a church, we've rallied around this idea. We said, okay. Hey, we're going to give you a tool to make it easier. We want this to be a habit, that, a muscle that you are training. Just put down eight names. If you only know four, put down four names. But let's pray every day. We've made it even easier. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do Love Week. And we're going to say, hey, hey, take some cards about November 6th, and when you're driving through the Starbucks... When you're going through McDonald's, please don't go through McDonald's. <laughs> My heart to you. 
I'm just saying, those fries don't mold for years. <laughs> but when, when you're going through the drive-thru, pray for those cards. Give it to the person behind you. Take care of them and say, man, like, God, would you do something? You know what, what, what can happen with our faithfulness when we get serious about the miraculous, uh, uh, marvelous things that God can do with us just being intentional? Yeah. Instead of us sitting there, we say, okay, God, we'll, we'll jump in. We're going to be serving first responders. We, we got people in here which take care of people from police officers to doctors to nurses like we're going to be saying man thank you see because because this is what it looks like to become an overflowing presence of Christ's love proclaiming hope to the neighbor and the stranger is that we are intentional about others that we're not okay with just sitting by. See, God is calling us to live in that space, worship team, you can come up, of humility, generosity, and obedience. God, God is calling us to live in that, that reality. Will we make room? And November 6th is coming up, and it's going to be a beautiful day. And we believe that we're going to see a ton of baptisms here. We, we know we already have people signing up. If you haven't, please uh, get a hold of me or somebody here on staff. And, and that's going to be an amazing day. We're asking you to invite friends. We're asking you to invite friends that you have been praying for, that you've been having gospel conversations about. Well, she's going to invite somebody, I know for sure. We're asking you to jump all in with us. Because it's not, it's not a message that I'm going to preach on that Sunday. It's not the worship team that's going to sing something special. It's going to be your labor on your knees, going to the highways and byways, weeping for those which are lost, making room, say, saying, hey, I'm going to decide to serve and I'm going to give up a chair. Because you, you know what? I, I believe God can do something here. I want to be eyewitness to the miraculous ways of God as he moves among us. God is calling us to make room, church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the times that we have together. Help us to be a church that is mindful of the neighbor and the stranger. In Jesus' name we pray.